God bless it. Well, I'd like to begin by reading two short passages of Scripture. First of all, uh, Matthew chapter 15 at verse 21. Matthew 15, and we'll read verses 21 to 28, and then move to a similar passage in Luke. Matthew 15 at 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, we'll move on to the second passage. I'd like to read a similar passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, and we'll read the first eight verses. Luke, chapter 18. Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him and said, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So what is the definition of great faith? What's the definition of a prayer of faith? What's a successful prayer? Is it a prayer that needs only to be prayed once and it's answered immediately? Is that a great prayer of faith? It's not the definition Christ gives in these two.
two parables we've just read. Why do you think Jesus told these parables? Is it not because it's natural for praying disciples to faint and get weary in prayer? Because God is not confined to doing things instantly. We tend to think if God's doing something, he always does it by divine fiat immediately. But we're being taught not so. Let's ask, what is prayer for? Well, we Christians know, of course, that it is for communion with our maker, communion with our saviour. Some people think prayer is to get God to change his mind. But is that correct? Is it for controlling God? The famous great Apostle Paul, whose prayers are recorded for us in Scripture, he was refused his request to remove the thorn in the flesh. He prayed earnestly three times, and it was not granted. On the other hand, God records in the Bible, he asks us, all upon me, he says, in the day of trouble, I will deliver you. So what do we learn from these two instances? While prayer is not for manipulating God, it can appear to us down here that God does change his mind. So let's ask a question. If great faith does not always get what is requested, how can we tell someone has great faith? There's the Apostle Paul being refused a perfectly Legitimate prayer, we might say. How do we tell it if it's not always granted? Great faith always keeps going back to God. Great faith trusts in God, not foolproof solutions. The world stops praying when the quick answers stop coming. Real faith continues praying to God, despite, despite apparent rejection, like the woman we read of in Matthew 15. Great prayer continues drawing near to God, despite opposition despite it being seemingly a waste of time. Great prayer keeps going to God when they're confused. And great prayer keeps going back to God even after disappointments. Here's a question. Why do we need to pray to God if God has already foreordained everything.
Why do we need to pray to God if it's already foreordained by God? If God is immutable with an unalterable plan, what's the point in praying? Answer. God has chosen to include his people's prayers in his one act of ordaining whatever comes to pass. Our prayers are one part of a complete action of God. Two prayers, two parts of the one event. You see, God's plan, when he ordains something, he doesn't ordain that such and such will happen forever. No, no. God ordains that such and such will happen through the prayers of his people. Some people say, well, what about Jonah and Nineveh? It's God changing his mind. Is it really? Is it really? God did not change his mind. It was the men of Nineveh who changed their minds and their ways. It is God's unchangeable way to always stop oncoming judgment if people repent. If people repent of their sinful ways, it's God's unchangeable way to always stop the threatened oncoming judgment. Prayer only appears to us down here on earth to change and alter God's plans. Now, just to wind up, I think there's two or three lessons we might learn from this. It might be a strength and an encouragement to us. And number one, groanings. Groanings in prayer are very often our best prayers. Romans 8, 26 mentions that. God's people groaned in prayer. Job groaned in prayer. The psalmist groaned in prayer. Even Christ groaned in prayer. Luke 22, 44. John 12, 27. Hebrews 5, 7. Groanings are very often our best, not our worst. A further lesson quite related to, I suppose, could be that weakness and helplessness in prayer are actual, actually strengths, not debilities. In prayer, weakness and helplessness are strengths. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the faint, not to the articulate. 
in a faint. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to those who are faint. That quotation, that example we mentioned of Paul, rain, uh, that the Lord would remove um, the thorn in the flesh. God's reply was, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Weakness and helplessness are strengths in prayer. And just one final thing, maybe. According to Luke 18, 7, which we've just read, if you find you have to pray day and night for ages before you get an answer, you must belong to one of God's elect. That's what he says in Luke 18, 7. His elect cry to him day and night. And although God bears long with them, he will answer them. May God bless these few thoughts to us.